Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu. And welcome back to the show. You know, we've been covering very closely ever since, frankly, the story broke in The Mirror. The Mirror was the original publication to break the story, and then it was picked up in the Connecticut Examiner and elsewhere. Uh, The story essentially is that on June 7th, uh, which is the last day of the legislative session, that in the wee small hours of the morning, in the middle of a bond bill, where legislators thought that they were saying yay or nay to a bond bill, a teeny, teeny bit of it um, was inserted in there at the last minute without any debate, without any public hearings, without anything, that essentially was at the request of Mayor Caroline Simmons of Stanford, in which she called her buddy, presumably Matt Ritter, who said she was a great friend, and Mayor, um, Mayor Simmons is on the record as saying this is another tool in her toolbox. She was very unhappy about the direction that the Charter Revision Commission, which had been meeting for 18 months in Stanford, was going in the way of what she thought were changes that could possibly stymie development and her plans for the city. So she called on her buddies in Hartford to basically pull the rug out from under their process. And their process was they were coming to conclusions which had not yet been formalized in a referendum that would then have been subject to a vote by the citizens of Stanford. But the two biggies were that the Charter Revision Commission wanted to make it harder for the town to exercise eminent domain proceedings by going, I believe, to a two-thirds vote and allowing the Board of Reps to weigh in on it, and also making it, um, giving another mechanism for the voters, which currently have one, but it's very circumscribed, to make it a little bit easier for, generally speaking, people who reside in the city of Stanford to bring a zoning a decision made by the appointed Planning and Zoning Commission up before the Board of Reps for a debate discussion and possibly overturning. And again, with a 300 signatures and, and a vote, et cetera. And these changes, these proposed changes, made Ka- Mayor Caroline Simmons very unhappy. Dan Haar wrote a piece about this the other day, and he is the first journalist that I've seen 
that had a chance to really question Mayor Simmons since the story broke. And I really wanted to hear Dan's thoughts about all of this. Dan, welcome. Welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. You're always welcome here. Hi. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Yes, the teeny tiny insert was 225 words out of uh, a a bunch of pages. You know, we talk about the bond package. It's really a three-part budget that includes the bond package, the implementers, and the budget itself, totaling a, in, the, in the neighborhood of 2,000 pages oh. of legislation. And so, yes, yes, this, this happened to be in the bond package for whatever reason, but it's, it's, it's all the, the budget, and it was passed, as you said, on the last day of the legislature, June 7th. Um, and uh, there's a lot to talk about, absolutely. I want to I say that, that the mayor spoke with myself and Brianna Gerciulo, from our staff at the Stanford Advocate uh, jointly. And so we were on that call, and she reported on it, and I reported on it. And uh, the mayor is not apologetic. Okay. She's not apologetic. What is her explanation? <laughs> her explanation is that, that, that this, this charter revision, had it been allowed to go forward and passed, would have undermined city government, not necessarily her. In, in this case, yes, her agenda but city government in general going forward and would have made it impossible to build anything uh, in the city of Stanford uh, because the restrictions were made it too easy to block uh, uh, the new changes in the charter revision in her view made it too easy to block uh, a, a project. And one of the, as you, I think you very well summed it up. I would add uh, that one of the changes was that, the 300 signatures needed to appeal a zoning decision to the board of reps could have come from anywhere in the city, uh, not just the neighborhood of the um, of the uh, right. uh, project in question. Right now, I think you have to be within 100 feet or 250 feet right. or something the, like that. Yeah. Right, and the and the number of signatures you need is is flexible, so it's it's not that's that's too much in the weeds to go back and right. forth about that. But the important thing is, yes, that it would have been easier. And we, of course, I know you've discussed this, but it bears repeating that only Stanford and Westport have the appeal directly to the legislative body uh, among all 169 towns. Uh, right. The rest has to go to the uh, Superior Court. But the bill that passed restricts charter changes for any of the 112 or 13 towns that have a charter. And those towns may very well want to consider changing their charters to be more like Westport or Stanford, because if you look every single day in the newspapers, Dan, we're chatting with Dan Har, editor of Hearst, uh, you see that very often it's these zoning changes. I saw one just this morning in Windsor that drive people crazy, and they want to have more of a say in a direction over the way their town or community is growing. And sometimes they feel, particularly when the Planning and Zoning Commission isn't even elected by them, that they are being dismissed. And look what's happening in Norwalk right now with the overhaul of the entire zoning code. I mean, it goes on and on. What I thought was fascinating, Dan, about this particular, there's a lot to unpack here. But I do want to say and remind everybody that Fairfield just underwent a very robustly debated charter revision. And it failed. It went down. And this was despite the fact that the first select woman really wanted it passed, Brenda Kupchik. She was in favor of it. But the people said no. 
I yes, really, we all know, and we yeah. all know that Fairfield is a paragon of smooth-running government, government everywhere. <laughs> but and, but it doesn't matter. No government yeah. is smooth. That's the point. And so, and that's the point. Uh, to me, it was such an insult, Dan, to the people. They had they have something like sixty people that um, wanted to be on this commission. They created this commission. I think it's what at least fifteen people on it with subcommittees. It was, it, it was fifteen. It, it, fifteen. I think the commission. The, the I believe. Brianna's reported. I believe the commission could have had as few as eight, or, right? Or, or and they decided and to do fifteen. 15. But right. as, yeah. as as we unpack this, yeah, right. And and I in my column was critical of the mayor not allowing the process to go forward. I think that was a, a political. It becomes a political problem for her, uh, especially if she has statewide um, um, aspirations. But let's set aside. The, the the great efforts of the Charter Revision Commission. It's irrelevant. Everybody seems to start the conversation by saying, oh, they worked so hard. Who cares? I do. Who cares how hard they I, worked? Why, I do. Why? What's the difference? Whether I'll they tell you one, why. I'll tell you why I care. 3,000 times. Who cares? I'll why tell you why it? I care. I care a lot. First of all, and there's a big article about it today. It's funny because you and I were debating this offline, and somebody wrote a big piece about it today. I care because I put myself in the shoes of people that volunteer and that want to get good volunteers to their towns. And this makes it seem like for people who want to contribute to their towns, why bother when the powers that be are just going to override you anyway? It, it contributes to cynicism and it contributes to pessimism about the role of democracy and the ability for people to change their own fate. I care a lot. I care a lot that these people yeah. work very hard, and I think that their decision had the right to be seen by the light of day. In other words, it should have been debated in the light of day, and it shows that she, Mayor Caroline Simmons, did not have faith in her own constituents and faith in her own powers of persuasion. Well, the other side of the coin is that, it, 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 yes, it, it, it contributes to cynicism, it's also, you know, welcome to life in the big city. Like politics is a hardball game, and people do what they think is best for. In, the, in this case, I don't think anybody is accusing Mayor Simmons of acting in bad faith. She believed that what was best for the city was to undermine this charter revision. So let's look at let's look at the charter revision and let's look at the process. Right, the process was controlled by people on the board of representatives who picked the members of the Charter Revision Commission, who the other side, the Simmons camp, says, and I haven't researched or looked into this, but it's as, it's, it is as valid a point as the other side's point about how hard we work. The, the Simmons camp is saying that the Charter Revision Commission was stocked and stacked from the beginning with people who oppose development. Now, if that's true or not, I don't know. We'd have to go back and look at the record, but that's out there as an accusation. So this is not some pure, pristine, uh, you know, the citizens of Stanford came together and did what they felt was best in 18 months. This is a, this is a hardball process on both sides. No, I don't agree. You don't do an end run. Sorry, Dan Hart. You don't do I'm an end run. She did an end run. run. Is there are two sides to the story. Well, there's always this three and five sides to the story, but you can have a side. I just don't think it has much merit. 
I think once again, look, she's in a democracy. Yes, she said it was another tool in her toolbox, but look at the way it makes her look. And going back to the political, there was a, another big article today. I think Kevin Rennie, who's a pretty influential columnist who writes for the Hartford Current, the two of you are the two, two biggies, the two big columnists in Connecticut. Uh, Kevin Rennie wiped the floor with her this morning and said, yeah, you know, for Kevin, by the way, let's, 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 Kevin Rennie it, it does some tremendous work and reports some tremendous revelations uh, in his work. With all due respect to Kevin Rennie, this wasn't one of them. He basically read what Brianna and Andrew Right. No, he didn't do any independent investigation. And he said, That's and right. And he basically opined that it's a bad idea to undermine. There wasn't anything new and different in, his, in what he wrote. He just wrote. No. He just he spouted off as a columnist does. And I do, I do it myself and said this is a bad thing. But there were, let's, let us not say there were any revelations there. The, the revelations are out. Let's talk about the key guy in this, Mr. Ritter. Right? Okay. Speaker, Speaker Matt Ritter, he's in, a, he's in a, t- a tough position when this happens, right? Because he gets, uh, as happens, and if we want to talk about the system of, of darkness of night, small in size provisions that have repercussions and, and create ripples, and why those are allowed to go into the 2,000-page three-part budget bills every year, we can talk about that. This is one of about 30 this year alone, right? Wow. Middlebury was another one, as, as we've all been writing. Yes, um, yes. And Middlebury, just for the, for the, to catch up the listeners who haven't heard about that, there was a project to build a distribution center in the yes. town of Middlebury, and uh, the people who opposed it brought it to the legislature for a d- darkness of night Yes. Bill, just like this, that said, but it was hilarious the way it was. Yes. Worded. Towns between 6,000 and 8,000. Right. Cannot build, you, you know, cannot build a facility of more than 100,000 square feet within X amount of distance from a school. And wetlands with X amount of wetlands. And you know what was interesting about it? We have this concept, you know, as lawyers, we call it spot zoning, which is where you're not supposed to zone something for a particular area, right? I mean, that's the idea. It, this is like spot legislation. That's, that's yeah. basically yeah. like what they did. But, 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 if, but, but if we want to yes. address the issue of why these things, and some are called rats and some are not, yes. I, would, I would categorize Middlebury as a true rat because it is so narrow that it's meant to affect just one thing. I would categorize Stanford as policy because it was... No way. No way, Dan. This was a rat because it wasn't properly debated. No way. No way. This was a rat with a capital R. If she really thought that this is something very important, that town should not be able to do this, she would have brought it to a committee. She did this in the dead of night with her buddy. Give me a break. Come on. Let Let it be clear that my column says she shouldn't have done this and that it creates a political problem and a policy problem for her. I'm not I'm not disagreeing that it was a mistake to undermine the bill, the, the charter revision process. What I'm disagreeing on is that it was a terrible thing to do. Oh, well, because, I think it was a terrible because thing the charter revision appears to have. And this still has to be looked at and litigated. And it will. The charter revision proposals, in the opinion of some people, many people and not just Caroline Simmons and her camp. And it does exceed the powers that were given to the city in 1953. And so then what what do we do with that typically, Dan? And typically, what do we do when we have a conversation or a decision about when there might be a referendum to exceed authority? Then that typically goes to a judge. It should go to a radio host who's also a lawyer. 
Well, you're right. You're right. No one else who's that's qualified all. to talk about this. That's so, true. That's true. By the way, I don't know if you saw it today. Did you see that Angela Carella, she writes for the Connecticut Examiner. She says that she came up with um, a, a writing from someone who was, it's an old email, an 18-month-old email. She says, quote, adding to the controversy over the mayor's role in creating this law that was written by her chief of staff, Bridget Fox, in January 15, 2022, shows that the administration, I'm quoting now, requested that the Charter Revision Commission eliminate residents' ability to petition the Board of Representatives if they disagree with the zoning decision. So what's happening now is that now they're saying that this was something that the Simmons administration wanted to eliminate altogether, not merely change it to be more liberal, if you will, and that it was really a situation that she was losing in the way of policy as the commission was going forward, again, giving rise to criticism of her as doing an end run. But there's no evidence that she ever tried to do that elimination of that appeal process. There's no it says evidence they requested that, it? it. It said, please, yeah, please see attached for items from the mayor's office for consideration and review for the Charter Revision Commission. Item three on the administration's list of recommended charter change says, quote, remove the ability to appeal planning and zoning board decisions to the Board of Representatives. Right. But she never publicly proposed that nor privately proposed it to our knowledge. Well, it says the email runs counter to what Simmons has been saying since she moved to block these zoning related proposals, says it moves counter to it. So, yeah, that's true. It's a it's it's a small piece of the puzzle, but it doesn't tell you what we have to look at is what actually happened. And what happened was Simmons took a charter revision that she believed was illegal and rather than let the not illegal, uh, but un, but 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 unwise. Let's just say and, unwise or okay. You want to say well, exceeded? She thought it was. She thought it was more than unwise. She thought it, it exceeded the the city's ability uh, under the state act. As okay to, for your for your listeners to be caught up on this is it, it, the it, an undertone of this, of course, as we're talking about, is the the division between state authority and home rule. And in, in zoning decisions, this is, has always been, in the 40 years I've been writing about this, this has always been a, a constant source of fighting over whose authority is it. And the state essentially in zoning, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the lawyer in the call here, the state has the legislation that says this is what towns can and can't do. Yeah, they are the enablers of a lot of this. Right. That's and why, so, yeah. And mm-hmm. so in this case, she believed, and, and importantly, to get to the point we were making about Speaker Ritter, he believed and his staff believed and the Republican House leader, Vincent Candelora, believed that this had to be stopped. And so and so they they took measures to stop a charter revision process that they thought was extra lawful, i.e. outside the law and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's. A decision made in the dead of night that you're giving them a lot of credit for making this considered decision. Sounds like I'm here in the ocean. Are you? Are you okay? Yeah. I'm okay, but I can't. I'm I'm having a little trouble hearing because there's a sound of the ocean there. It makes me very calm and peaceful. 
Oh, that's excellent. No, I'm not hearing it on my end. Justin is hearing you, so he'll try and finagle okay. whatever he can okay, do. Okay, good. Keep going. Yeah. I'll ignore it. No. All I'm saying is I think you're giving tremendous weight and consideration to the legislative leaders here. There doesn't seem to be any evidence that they consider the weight and the gravity of this. It seems to be, quote, she's a great friend of mine, quote, that was a tool in my toolbox. And that's what it looks like to the citizens of the state of Connecticut. That's what it looks like. Because if really this was going to be debated and discussed and it was an extra lawful administration of power, first of all, I will say to you as a lawyer, it wasn't even ripe for discussion. Because it was in the stage where it was still a recommendation of the Charter Revision Commission and it hadn't gone to the people. It would be one thing if the people voted it in. Then you have something where you say, wait a minute, the people passed something that may, they may not have had the authority to do. But, but it's not ripe. It, it wasn't, you know what I mean? As a matter of judicial, as a matter of legal jurisprudence. It just, it didn't, it didn't ripen yet to the point where it would be something that would have to be overturned because it was still being discussed. It was in its infancy. It, it just, it, it's an end run. It, it doesn't pass my smell test. It doesn't pass once my nose. Once it happens, once, there's also evidence that the Charter Revision, that the Board of Representatives wanted to bring the Charter Revision vote to the public, to the voters, this November. Yes. Wait. Yes. Yes. That, and then the, you could have well, had a lot of people weigh in on whether or not they could have or should have or would have. And that's why, again, no, you actually, no, you actually wouldn't have had a lot of people weigh in, because the reality of the system is that in off off, there are off years and off off years. Right. Uh-huh. The every fourth year is an <laughs> off off year. Yes. Where there's not only yes. is there no congressional or presidential election and not only is there no state election, state reps and state senators, governor, state treasurer. There's also not even a mayor's race this year. There is nothing but Board of Ed, and I believe you, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about a couple of Board of Rep seats, maybe. But it, it's it's a it's a, an election where we can expect to see about 13 percent turnout. Yeah, yeah right? I know. And you know who turns out? You know who turns out? The very the people that really, really pay attention to the process. And that's what she right. was afraid of. Right. That's exactly so, what right, she was but, afraid of. Right. But to speak in a misty eyed way about how this undermines democracy, what undermines democracy is we're trying to bring some really significant change to the city. And the charter guidelines of the state suggest that it be brought in a year when there is an actual significant election. But this wasn't the case here. So, there's, you know, there's a little bit on both mm. sides of this sort of undermining well, just, going on. I don't agree. Uh, but you know what, Dan, stay with us because we've got a caller. I think Kathy Braun is on from Fairfield. She's a she calls a lot. She's a, a, a one of the founders of CT169 Strong. I think it's Kathy Braun. Is it Kathy Braun? You just said Kathy. Okay, so Kathy from Fairfield wants to weigh in. Dan, you have a few more minutes for us? Absolutely. Go to, all right, we're going to go to a quick commercial. We're on the air with Dan Haar, editor of Hearst Publications, and you read all those newspapers all the time, every single day. We'll be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome back to the show. We're chatting with Dan Har, who is senior editor and columnist for Hearst Publications. And Kathy Braun called in. You have been very active in this entire zoning issue. You are an attorney yourself involved with real estate. Kathy, welcome to the conversation. We've only got a couple minutes, Kathy. So what is your comment? Two, two very brief points. In Fairfield, we had charter revision. It was on an off-off year, and there were many allegations of stocking the commission in favor of the revision, kind of the reverse of this situation. But uh, the opposition from all parties, including independents, um, organized and we had a referendum, and there was a huge turnout, and it was defeated. Now, the mayor has a bully pulpit. Anything she wants to promote, she had many months to promote it. And, um, you know, vehicle, she had vehicles to do other than doing an end run up in Hartford by passing a law that would defeat something that was already in the process, which is governed very specifically by state law. If someone felt this was illegal or out of their authority. They could have sued. They could have possibly gone to the election commission. But there's there's no reason for this to have been done. It, it, it's really a, a horrible situation. And zoning as well. Um, my understanding, and someone else from CT169 who's smarter than me would know better, my understanding is that Stanford, despite the fact that it has a huge amount of affordable housing and a great program, would be subject to a huge amount of added affordable housing being required based on the new fair share law that was partially passed. So it, I, I don't blame the people in Stanford at all for being upset. Let them go and vote on this. Well, that was taken away from them. And that's why this is very unfortunate. Actually, was there just, was news. I would, go ahead. I just want to say this morning there was a news story that um, – that Mayor Simmons said that she anticipates 2,449 new units of affordable housing are being required under her estimate of the fair share, and she wants to go ahead and build those units as soon as possible. That was actually well, news talk to this the neighbors. Yep. Talk I'm to the neighbors saying. in these little communities that are very upset that it'll be put in their little neighborhood and destroy uh, what they have left of their little neighborhood. It should not be done by state fiat. Land is local. And that's what I don't think Mr. Har understands. Land is local. Yes, the state has control. But the reason we make local decisions is land is local. You can't move it. It's affected extremely by what goes on next door. And um, let the local people decide what should be put right there. This was take this. They took away the right to just maintain or strengthen what their abilities are now to manage land use decisions. And Stanford, by the way, is in the area which is going to be inundated with climate with uh, sea level rise. Kathy, Kathy, I want to I want to give Dan a chance to respond. We've only got a couple minutes. Dan, go ahead. Took away what right? The state, no part of fair share passed. No part of fair share passed. Yes, it did pass. It did pass. No, no part of fair share passed. A whole superstructure, a bureaucratic superstructure, is established by the law that was passed. That was snuck in on another rat. Okay, so it did pass. The only thing we didn't no, know was the mandate. There are no affordable housing requirements in any way, shape, manner, or form that came out of the legislature this year. And saying it happened doesn't make it true. Half of the law passed, and the half that mandates you developed did not pass. That's going to go in next time around, okay? Oh, the, the, mandate, the mandate that you developed Excuse me. Excuse me. The part that passed was assigning and allocating and determining what every community in Connecticut's fair share should be. 
Mm-hmm. That's what was passed and shouldn't have been passed. All right. the, the, the issue here of affordable housing is, is very complicated, and it is not, strictly speaking, the people who live right there have the sole right to decide because then you'll end up with what we have now. Which is community. We already that don't have the basically... to decide. I'm on the zoning commission, 8-30G, completely usurps our ability to decide about 90%. So we don't have the sole right to decide, and we decide based on the facts and the law. Fair share imposes another burden on top of 8-30G in addition to 8-30G, which will then be used in a later legislative session to put the mandates down and the penalties down. So yeah, you, we agree that you don't have – you and I agree you don't have the sole de- decision on, on affordable housing. That is the case. We agree. Okay, listen. Uh, this is unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, coming to an end because we're going to be cut off by, you know, the clock that is 11 o'clock. But I want to thank you, Kathy Braun, for calling in, and Dan Haar, senior editor of Hearst. A pleasure to have you on the show. The robust debate continues. Thank you very much both for participating Thank you, and today. have a great trip to the Cape. Thank you. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you, Dan. Have a great time. Thank Take you. Care. We'll be right back with more of the Lisa Wexer Show. Stay tuned. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.